Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Action News, episode 426. This is Marjorie. This is Arnie. Hey, Arnie, you know what's just around the corner? Well, there's a gas station and And Walgreens. There's a Walgreens on every corner, so that's a trick question. No, San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, we have a lot of Comic-Con to talk about this year. We're going to have to venture where we've never ventured before on the exhibit floor. I know, it's going to be different. And I don't like things that are different. But one thing that's the same is we have teamed up with the Edgewater Grill once again for the fourth annual Star Wars Fan Breakfast. Yes, and this is just an unofficial gathering of fans having breakfast together and talking Star Wars and getting some really cool prizes. And this year we've got some amazing things planned. And we have teamed up this year with Rancho Obi-Wan and Steve Sansweet. In addition to being Star Wars fans just having fun talking Star Wars on the what used to be official Star Wars Day at Comic-Con. Now we're also going to be raising money for charity. Rancho Obi-Wan is a charity, and we are going to start a reservation system this year. Last year, we had way more people reserved than we had seats, and then some people didn't make it, so not everyone on the wait list got in. So what we're going to do this year is we're going to have a reservation, and it's going to be a donation to Rancho Obi-Wan, but don't think you're just making a donation, because in exchange for that donation, you're going to get a limited edition Rancho Obi-Wan Star Wars Action News Patch. As well as some other cool door swag. And yes, there's going to be door prizes. So the way it works is head to our website, SWActionNews.com. There will be a link under the links for this show to the registration form. You fill out the registration and then you'll be sent an invoice for $7.50 per person in your party. And that is the donation to Rancho Obi-Wan. Once that donation is made, then you have guaranteed seats. Now, we filled up fast last year. I honestly expect us to fill up before the end of this week based upon people emailing me in advance and saying, when is the breakfast? What are the details on the breakfast? So registering on the form doesn't guarantee you seats. You'll get a response telling you either we're full or you'll get a PayPal invoice for $7.50 per person. You make a non-refundable charitable donation through this PayPal invoice and then you'll have reserved seats for the breakfast. Now, when we get to the breakfast, we worked with the Edgewater Grill again. Maybe you've seen on the news, cost of food is going up. Everything is 
a little bit more expensive this year. And in San Diego during Comic-Con, everything is about two to three times more expensive than it is the next week or the prior week. But this year, Edgewater Grill worked with us and was able to keep the cost at $20 per person for your buffet, your coffee, that includes your tip and your tax. So at the door, you'll need $20 cash per person to pay for the breakfast. So a total cost of $27.50 for this one-time experience at Comic-Con. You get up a little early. We'll have Steve Sansweet there. We're going to see about having some other folks there. Have some door prizes, have some food, have some fun. And they do put on a breakfast buffet for us. So you will have something for everyone there. And they're a really great restaurant. They're really nice. They love having this breakfast at their restaurant. The wait staff gets into it. And it's just a really good time. But again, we plan on filling the Edgewater Grill to capacity. And it's a great place. We ate there like three times last year just because it's a good place so close to the convention center. It is a very short walk from the convention, but they only have 200 seats. So if you'd like to come to the breakfast, get your seats early because once this is full up, there won't be a wait list this year because people are putting money down for their seats. I don't expect any cancellations. And speaking of non-refundable fees, too late to back out now, Marjorie. You're registered for a half marathon. I did. This would be my second half marathon. And why am I talking about this on Star Wars Action News? Because I finally got suckered into running a Disney race. They're having their inaugural Star Wars half marathon. And it is taking place January 15th through 18th at Disneyland in California. Wow, that's a long run. How slow are people going that it takes three days to do a half marathon? Well, Smarty Pants Arnie, you registered for the 5K on the 16th. There's a 10K on the 17th, and then the half is on the 18th. The 15th is the Wookiee Welcome Party, which we are also going to. Apparently, that's a dessert reception with lots of fun late at night, just before you get up early and run that 5K at 5.30 in the morning. It was a confusing website. Now, I understand the races are completely full, like they sold out within an hour. We treated it like a gentle giant black hole mini bust and we set calendars and furiously entered credit cards in the website but then marjorie texted me get the stuff get the necklace get the pins i'm like what freaking what are you talking about they had a radio button system meaning you could check out with one item per so i, I don't know if there was another way to do the website but i had to check out once with the ticket for my race, then check out once with the two tickets for the Wookiee reception, then check out once with Marjorie's necklace, then check out once with the 5K pin, and check out one more time with your half marathon pin. That's ridiculous. It is a little crazy. Now, of course, Disney's going to nickel and dime you to death. Not only were the races crazy expensive, this is like the most I've paid for races forever, I think. And I've been racing for a couple of years now. The Wookiee Welcome Party, $99 a person. That's not bad. I'm not going to complain about $99 a person. We've thrown a few parties and we know exactly the costs involved. $100 a person, especially if you're getting into a limited event, that doesn't bother me. It's the race money, really, that kind of... And does that doesn't even include park admission, right? We have to pay extra for park admission? Allegedly, there are going to be park packages and travel packages for this. I've been told that the races sell out quickly, but it's easy because they have so many hotel rooms. 
that's not that's not a problem. I did check the box where they will notify me of any travel packages, but you could also buy all the commemorative stuff, which if I'm going to run a half marathon, I want it all. I'm sorry, Arnie. But if you want to cheer me on in the half marathon, there is a special ch- ear. Get it? Ears. It's a cheer. Mickey ears. Ah. A cheer squad package where you're going to get special access to the finish line in order to cheer on your runner. This is the one thing I didn't purchase. For some reason, nightmares of the movie Bring It On just danced through my head. I figured it came with pom-poms and that neither one of us needed that. There were also Mickey Mouse ears that I passed on because they weren't Star Wars Mickey Mouse ears, to my understanding. But if you want the platinum package to cheer me on, it's $99. And I think you get a reserved spot at the finish line to cheer me on. Which really, you could just kind of sleep in a little bit later and meet me at the finish line anyway. No, no, I have to buy the package if I'm going to meet you at the finish line. I think I'll take your word for it and wait in the family area and maybe spend that $100 on a nice prize for you for completing your second or maybe by that point, third half marathon. Yeah, but you would get executive style restrooms if you bought the $99 Cheer Platinum Package. You can stop with the Cheer anytime, really. (laughs) And you get Mickey Clappers. I'm not sweetening the deal. You're actually poisoning it more. But speaking of Disney, you actually got an item from the Disney Star Wars Weekends in the mail. An unexpected gift. I did. And let me just say that I was completely blown away by this. And I was feeling kind of down in the dumps because I did register for the half marathon. But for some of you who know, I did hurt my knee running. I did a PR on my... Five, first 5K of the year this year, I busted up my knee with an IT band injury. So I was going to physical therapy, stopped at the mail, and picked up some packages. And there's something for me in there. I'm like, well, I didn't order anything. What's this? I don't get any mail. Why am I getting something at the P.O. box? So I opened it, and it's a very ominous envelope. Because envelopes are always ominous, right? Usually they bring the unexpected bill. Well, this was an unexpected bill. Bill Parker, who now might be one of my favorite people in the entire world sent me a really nice letter, which I'm not going to read, you know, because it's a letter he sent, which is, I just, he was very happy. He listens to our podcast. He's cut back on his collecting, which, you know, we all kind of have sometimes, and it happens. And there's a lot of other things coming on with another trilogy, which we must talk about someday, Arnie. He knows that I love Jar Jar, which, come on, I think I might be Jar Jar's biggest fan. Well, he was down at Disney World for Star Wars Weekend, and guess who was there the weekend he was there? Mark Hamill. No, I did squee over Mark Hamill the first time, but yeah, no. Ahmed Best. Bill was nice enough to get me an autographed photo of Jar Jar. Ahmed Best signed a photo for me, and Bill was nice enough to send it to me. Isn't that great? That is awesome, especially since I know you have been coveting an Ahmed Best autograph. You tweet stalk the man. I do tweet stalk Ahmed Best because I really want him to start appearing at conventions just so that we can have some conversations about Jar Jar and he can sign some stuff for me. I don't know what I'd get signed. I, I want a picture with the man. I'm super excited. I don't have any autographed items from Ahmed Best in my collection until this. So this is like an amazing thing. It's a holy grail. Yeah, he's been very elusive. I know. What's up with that? He did New York Comic Con the year we skipped, and we thought, here it is, the floodgates are opening. No. Yes, but that has also now turned into where I always get to go to New York Comic Con, so I'm not going to argue with having to go to New York a couple times a year. Darn my luck. Well, thank you to Bill for making my wife's week and making my life a little harder. Why is it making your life a little harder? I have to work that much more now to be the person who made your week. 
Well, you know, you made my Bill made my week outside of this house. How about that? <laughs> Bill, awesome. Thank you so much. It is amazing. I'm going to get it framed and hang it up in my office. I've already tweeted it and put it on Facebook and, you know, it's a mixture of, "Oh my god, that's so cool." or, "Really? You you got his autograph? What's wrong with you?" I'm telling you, Jar Jar's going to come back around. The Ewoks did. Well, as far as other collecting news, haven't really found a whole lot in stores. I've been hitting Walmarts, Targets, and Toys R Uses habitually, and I literally mean that out of habit. It's not that I'm even expecting to find anything. It's that, oh, it's Tuesday. I'll go to Target. They stock on Tuesday. It's virtually Pavlovian at this point. And then I go, well... There's a new Titan hero they didn't have last week, and I leave. I went to Walmart today and did not check toys because I checked it last week. How bad's that? Well, you might have missed something. A Titan hero? <laughs> no, something a little cooler, but we already have it. We'll talk about it in just a little bit. The one thing, though, that I read about on Yak Face, and I am coveting, and I need to decide how I'm going to get this. When I was preparing our notes for our last show, I said to Marjorie, hey, look, Vans is doing Star Wars shoes. And Marjorie looks and goes, yeah, I don't need those. And then the show ended up going a little bit long. And as we do when the show goes a little long, we start scratching off the items we care less to talk about. And so we didn't talk about the Van shoes. And now I'm desperately obsessed with the Van shoes. Not because of the shoes. I don't even know if Vans makes good shoes. What? What? Hello? You didn't wear Vans in the 80s? No, I wore Nike. Really? Uh-huh. Everyone wore Vans in the early 80s. They were super comfy. The Vans with the little checkers, the slip-on shoes all the skaters wore. No, not ringing a bell? No. We lived very different lives. Yes, this is why we work. Well, it turns out, if you order these Van shoes from Journeys, Journeys has exclusive Funko vinyl figures. And I heard this and I'm like, oh, they're probably the size of... You know, they're mystery minis, you know, a two-inch figure. No, these are six-inch custom vinyl Boba Fett and Darth Vader holding skateboards and displaying maximum attitude. And wearing the classic Vans checkered sneakers. Really? You've never seen those? I know Run and DMC wore Adidas. <sighs> so the question is, do I order two pairs of shoes from Journeys and hope that I get a Vader and a Fett? because it's randomly packed, or do I just go to eBay and take the sting out and get these really cool figures while we're in the glut of people who ordered shoes and are like, what the hell is this? I don't want it. I'm going to eBay it. Right now, the price range as of this recording on the Darth Vader is anywhere from 40 to 60. The Boba Fett, of course, goes for a little bit more. I could get both for a buy it now of 100. So about 50 a figure. And the shoes... They're about 60 a pair. You sure you still don't like the shoes? They're super comfy. I mean, if you really want the figure, I could wear them. There's certain styles I like. Like, the Stormtrooper one's pretty cool because it's kind of weird and kind of Dia de los Muertos. And... Yeah, it's got kind of the candy skull thing mm -hmm. going for it. I wear those. I wish they had the slip-ons, though, because those are so much cooler than slip-ons. They, they don't have the Stormtrooper in slip-ons. They do have the A New Hope artwork with the Vader head in slip-on, though. I mean, if you're going to buy it just for the figures, you can buy me two pairs of shoes. I'll let you. I know it's a struggle, but I will totally wear them. Why do I feel I've just been played? It all of a sudden occurred to me. Size 9, please. I'll take the Stormtrooper ones and the lightsaber, I guess. 
Hopefully yep. I have better luck than our podcast enhancer, Daryl, as I just saw a post to the forums. I know what happened, Daryl. He says, have an extra Darth Vader want to trade for Boba Fett. Well, see, maybe you should buy two pairs. Maybe I'll get two Boba Fetts. Well, while I place you that order for shoes, dear, here's Jonathan with what he's finding on the pegs. Hello and welcome back to On The Pegs, where we discuss what's being found in stores and online. I'm Jonathan, and it's been a while since I've had a segment on Star Wars Action News because there's been nothing out there to talk about. And you know what? I've missed you guys. But finally, there are some things showing up, so I'm here to bring you up to speed. First off, Target and Walmart seem to be shrinking their Star Wars sections in favor of other toys, and with almost nothing new coming to brick-and-mortar stores, really who can blame them? But I'm very hopeful that as we get closer to the premiere of the new Rebels animated series, that we'll find some more plastic out there to tempt us. But there are a few oases in this desert of nothing. As was previously reported, the highly sought-after Stormtrooper figure from the 6-inch Black Series line has been showing up on Amazon for its MSRP repeatedly. And lately, there have been lots of reports of people finding this figure at Targets and Toys R Us. I was fortunate enough to find one on my way home from work at my local Target and was able to grab him up. As you've heard, this is an awesome figure. But if you're considering picking one up for more than its retail price, my advice is to wait. I have a feeling that this guy is going to be showing up more and more very soon. Now speaking of Target and Toys R Us, it seems like every other week or so, one or both of them have had a decent sale on Star Wars Legos. As I haven't had any Hasbro to spend my money on, I've taken advantage of some of these deals and have picked up some of the mid-sized sets like the Coruscant Police Gunship and the Separatist Droid Gunship. I happen to think that these new offerings from LEGO are really some of their best sets yet. Each one is packed with play features, the minifigures keep getting better and better, and the detail that they put into these ships is simply amazing. I've been picking up Star Wars LEGOs since they were first released in the lead up to Episode 1 way back in 1999, and when you look at the differences between now and then, it's hard to believe. LEGO just needs to put that new sand crawler on sale for me. Also being found at local stores are the latest offerings in the Hasbro Class 2 Vehicles line. These are the $20 ships that were scaled down a little over a year ago to keep the price point lower. You know, the ones that look like they were left in the dryer a little too long. The latest wave includes three new ships, Anakin's Delta Jedi Starfighter, Obi-Wan's Etta Jedi Starfighter, and Boba Fett's Slave One. I've decided to pass on these because I already have what I feel are better versions of each in the larger scale. But if you are interested in these, they are out there. But you may want to consider holding off until Target puts them on clearance or until they start showing up at discount chains like Marshalls or TJ Maxx. I've also been receiving some scattered reports of the newest wave of Hasbro's Mission Series sets being found at Walmarts. These two new sets are the Utapau pack, which comes with the Obi-Wan and Grievous figures, and the Bespin pack that comes with the Luke and Vader figures. If you want these but can't find them at your local store, check out HasbroToyShop.com where they have them in stock, and they also have the two latest entries in the 12-inch shampoo bottle line, the Stormtrooper and the Jedi Luke. As far as online news, besides the previously discussed offerings from Gentle Giant and Sideshow, there hasn't been that much announced. I've taken the opportunity to pick up a few items that I initially passed on because I decided to spend my Star Wars budget in other places. One of these items is the lightsaber ice pop maker from Think Geek. And believe it or not, it was my wife who encouraged me to buy them. And as I'm not one to argue with her, I did as I was told. With summer on the horizon, I think that in my home, these will get some decent use. For those of you who haven't seen them, this set comes with four molds to make ice pop blades and four light up lightsaber hilts. 
specifically two Darth Vader and two Return of the Jedi Luke hilts. My kids and I gave these a whirl, and our first attempt was met with mixed results. We made a single serving Kool-Aid fruit punch in a water bottle and used that to fill the mold. Uh, of note here, my wife suggests not using Kool-Aid because it seems to stain everything, and considering we made a mess with our first attempt, she wasn't happy. The instructions say to use either a red or green liquid to keep canon, which got a laugh out of me when I read it. The directions say to fill the molds all the way. Probably not a good idea if you want them to turn out right. As those of you who remember elementary science class know, when a liquid freezes, it expands. So the liquid actually expanded out of the molds, and three out of the four initial sabers had... Mm, issues. The other issue that we had was the hilts. The directions say to put in two AAA batteries in positive end first. But if you do this, you'll be like me and get really annoyed that yours don't work and that you're going to need to send them back. This is where having a 10-year-old helping you comes in really handy. My son Jonah asked if he could try, and I let him, and he got it working. When I asked him how he did it, he said he flipped the batteries around and it worked fine. The other possible issue is the fact that the hilts can't be washed, only wiped down, so you really need to try to avoid getting them all sticky with whatever liquid you use to make your ice pops. The LEDs and the hilts light up, and it is a really cool effect. My conclusion on this item is that it is fun if you have kids, and once you get past the instructions, it's worth the $34.99 that ThinkGeek is asking for it. At the time of this recording, they are out of stock, but expect to have more later in June. Now, if you're like me, you've been using this downtime in Star Wars collecting to backfill in some holes in your collections. Now, I know that a lot of people I've discussed this with have been focusing on vintage items, much as I have. And if you're looking for a great selection of vintage items, check out Star Wars Action News sponsor, Brian's Toys. And remember, when checking out, let them know you heard about them on Star Wars Action News. Anyway, as I've been completing my loose vintage collection, there have been a few figures that I want to protect a little more than the others. Some of the more valuable, harder to obtain figures such as Yak Face and Blue Snaggletooth. So I've been searching for an inexpensive yet nice looking way to protect and display these figures. I've come across someone who custom makes acrylic cases for pretty much everything and anything. I found A&A Acrylics on Facebook and ordered some of his individual vintage figure cases. Each one was under $10 and only a few dollars to ship. Now Philip, who is A&A Acrylics, typically makes these cases to order, so turnaround can be about two weeks, but I was pretty pleased when I received mine. As I said, the ones I ordered were for a few vintage loose figures that I had, and when they arrived, they were packed nicely and safely to ensure none cracked during shipping. Each of the cases I received were approximately five inches tall, two inches wide, and an inch and a quarter deep. Perfect if you want to arrange a lot of them on a shelf. The figure goes in through a sliding piece on the bottom, and it's a little tricky to get the figure in there exactly the way you want. After a few tries, I was able to position the figures exactly where I wanted. Now, the other thing you need to remember is that these are not like AFA cases, and the figure is not held in place with any posts. So after you get the figure in there the way that you want, you have to be careful how you move it around. The quality of the cases is quite good as well. No rough edges, and the slide opens and closes easily without binding. One thing of note, as these are custom and handmade, there are some variations. Of the three cases I purchased, two were slightly taller than the third. Not really an issue for me, but something to be aware of. As I said earlier, Philip makes these to order and has shared with me that he can make acrylic cases of pretty much any size and for any application. As a vintage Star Wars collector himself, he has made really nice carded figure cases, loose figure cases, and boxed vehicle and playset cases, as well as various display options that you can see if you're watching the Enhanced Podcast. He also does not limit himself to strictly Star Wars items. 
So if there's something that you want a nice display case for, contact him at philrendon95 at yahoo.com. And Phil has provided me with a few loose cases to give away. So if you want to enter the drawing, post in the forums under the loose acrylic case post that I've set up about what figure you'd put in one of these cases and why. I'll randomly pick winners from all the entries I receive by June 30th. Well, that's all for me. Until next time, keep searching the pegs. Thank you, Jonathan. First of all, I am definitely contacting that guy about those custom acrylic cases. I have a number of unique and strangely shaped items here that need protection. Does one of them quack? I hadn't even thought about the Howard the Duck purchases, which you can hear all about on the last episode of Marvelicious Toys, posted last Wednesday at MarveliciousToys.com. I teased some of that in the last Star Wars Action News episode. But yeah, there'll probably be a few things there that need some cases as well. But you see, Marjorie, Jonathan at Walmart found the new Mission series figures. Of course, I didn't need them because I got impatient and just ordered them from Hasbro Toy Shop, but they are starting to hit stores. We did get them in hand this past week and thought we'd go ahead and take a look at them, starting with Mission Series 8, Utapau, with Obi-Wan and General Grievous. Let me just start out by saying, if you're going to have a figure with limited articulation, you should not make a Grievous. Admittedly, there does appear to be some irony, and I do mean that in the against expectations use of the word, because I look at something like, say, Sideshow's one-sixth scale General Grievous that is so articulated that it's absolutely mind-boggling, but then we get a Mission Series Grievous with five points of articulation. Yes, just for those who aren't playing along at home, Mission Series are like the Saga Legends in that you have that old-school articulation of hips, shoulders, and head. Well, he does have five points of articulation, but he needs, like, 12 to fully function as Grievous. I mean, his knees are freaking joints, as the rest of us, but, I mean, his are visible joints. Look at that. And you, first thing I did was like, oh, I'm going to move his knees. No, I'm not. One kind thing I've said about all of these new limited articulation figures has been that they may not move much, but they stand like statues. You can always get them to stand up. Grievous is the first figure, and I think it's because of his clawed feet that I really had trouble getting to stand in too many positions. Well, the feet are the problem because you don't have that extra articulation in the knees to try to position him. His knees are locked in a bent position. But it should be counterbalanced because his ankles are in a 45 degree angle as well. So. It's working pretty well here on the glass surface, but when I tried it earlier on a wood surface, I was looking at the bottom of his feet more than anything. And that is when I noticed also no peg holes in the feet. So you really need him to stand well because you're not going to be able to use a figure stand or anything. Yeah, he's problematic all the way around. Now, it's not like this is the first and only Grievous we've ever gotten. There are plenty of Grievous figures out there that have a good deal of articulation. You can get your two-armed Grievous. You can get your four-armed Grievous. You can get your caped Grievous. There's a lot of Grievous. But this one, for what it is, I'll say I'm a little bit impressed with the detail that they gave the sculpt, especially if you look in the chest you can see just a little bit of his organ sack. They painted it green. His organ sack. 
I mean, it's not bad. It looks like a mechanized version of Grievous, like a more mechanized version. Do you know what I mean? Like the organic part of him doesn't seem to be really visible and prevalent. Like in the movie, you can definitely tell that he used to be some sort of living being with an exoskeleton implanted over him. And this, it just looks like a robot. So you do miss that organic quality to him. Well, that's the other thing that I'd credit. I mean, it may be a little robotic, but I kind of like what they did with the eyes. It's not as good as some of the previous Grievous figures, but they painted red around the eyes, which is supposed to be his flesh, and then they gave him those evil yellow eyes that are there. So as far as the paint goes on him and the colors, if you didn't touch him, and if you could possibly pose him in a cool way, which you can't, (laughs) But other than that, he looks like a pretty good figure. I was also impressed with the level they did on the back. I've noticed Hasbro been cheaping out on the backs of figures lately because you can't see them in the bubble. And by the time you find out, it's too late. But they actually did all the sculpting of the armor in the back. It's not a bad sculpt, not a bad paint app, but the articulation does make it where there's very little cool you can do with this figure, except be like a three-year-old and have him fight Obi-Wan by smashing them together and go, fight, fight, fight. He comes with two lightsabers. This is a little bit more than I've come to expect from these cheap figures because the paint apps, they've always been cheap about. Here I'm seeing gray plastic plus one, two, three, four, five, six colors of paint on him plus two accessories. I think they went a little bit better than they have been, but Without wrist articulation, all he can do is look like he's conducting an orchestra. Well, maybe he is. And I think you got the two lightsabers because he has less plastic in him altogether because his legs are skinnier. True, true. And he feels hollow. He's really lightweight and feels cheap, though. Oh, yes. He is made of a very cheap rubbery plastic in the arms and legs. The center body is solid, but the rest of him, very rubbery. But overall, on a scale of 1 to 10... I'd probably give him a 7 for being a good sculpt with good paint apps, but losing 3 points out of the 10, just because basically he can stand there like he's giving the speech, but he's not good for fighting. I also did like one last detail, that they went through the trouble of giving him the 6 fingers. It's like he has 2 thumbs on each hand. Hmm, interesting. Because when he bifurcates, it becomes 3 fingers per hand. Well, next up, we have the Yudapau Obi-Wan. This is where he got all wise and then kind of badass and fought General Grievous. And rode Boga. He did ride the really neat animal that made the really neat sounds. But I kind of feel his trip to Yudapau was useless. It was a plot device. Killing time. Killing Grievous. Or did he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. We thought Darth Maul was dead. Touche. Yeah, yeah. You got me. Well, let me first start off by saying that he does not hold his lightsaber well. His one hand is too small and the other hand is too big. And honestly, it looks like he doesn't have anything but nubs because there's no definition in his fingers, really. They kind of look like orange blobs. That's one ding on him is he looks a little bit pasty. It's like Obi-Wan needed to get a little bit more sun. The entire skin tone of the face and the hands is a little bit off. And his eyebrows are a different color than his hair. I don't know if they just didn't paint them, and it's just like the raised part I'm seeing, but his eyebrows are a different color. It's like he's dyed his hair dark recently. Now, this one actually has a fairly decent facial likeness. Again, I often think that the toy companies 
get lucky with facial hair and you get a full beard and then all you have to do is get the facial shape right. You don't need any other details. Yeah, that's the nice thing about that, but... I don't, this, there's nothing to differentiate this figure from any of the other ones, except that it is a lesser quality with the poor articulation and the less detailing. I think the paint job on him's pretty sloppy with the belt. This one, it just looks like an uneven paint coat. And on the back, it's like his belt changes shapes all over the place. And it does so in diagonal angles. It's almost like he accidentally cut chunks out of his belt with his lightsaber. Yeah, it's almost like they didn't paint it really well in some spots, because you can kind of see where it's overlapping. The brown should be the darker brown, not the lighter brown. Yeah, not so much a fan of this one. I don't think it's a really great figure, and I know, you know, the reduced articulation are going to be lesser, but all around, this is a lesser figure. Yeah, I agree. The five points of articulation means that you can't do a great pose. If you're going to do Obi-Wan versus Grievous, what's the pose? It's Obi-Wan in that weird, like, he just finished vamping a dance move with the fingers out and the saber above his head. I mean, that's the cool pose. And I think that Hasbro should go back to that. If you look at what they did with the Episode 2 Saga figures, those had limited articulation. People complained back then, oh, these are just like statues. But they had really dynamic poses. So if you wanted... Bera Sophie or Luminara Unduli in a fighting pose, there you had it. If you wanted them sitting and meditating at the Jedi Council, no good. Here, I think if you're going to have a battle pack, Obi-Wan versus Grievous, they need to be in fighting poses, not in generic, you know, my arms are at my side poses. And I think that hurts this figure a lot, as well as the sloppy paint. I'd probably give him a three. Honestly, because of the way they've got his hands and the upturned position and his fingers clenched, it looks like he's going to goose somebody. <laughs> right? I often thought with the way his right hand had such a closed grip around it that it's almost like, you know, that whole two for looking, get punched in the arm. Yeah. I thought it was playing that game. I owe you now a punch. I didn't look. look. You did. I didn't. You did. I didn't. Peripheral vision doesn't count. But overall, for a $10 pack of two figures, good for kids? I'll say that. Maybe kids wouldn't care that Obi-Wan's beard is painted crooked and his belt looks ugly and Obi-Wan and Grievous can't really duel well. But Obi-Wan brings the package down. Yeah, because you had a chance to have a really cool battle scene, but with what you got, it's just not going to happen. But I was a little bit more excited with... Mission Series 9, Bespin, going a little original trilogy on us with Luke and Vader. First up, we'll take a look at the Vader. I wasn't quite sure what to expect out of a Mission Series figure. I was a little bit impressed that they gave him a soft goods cloak, a cape. They did, but you're neglecting to notice his awesome bell bottoms. <laughs> well, you know what I learned <laughs> from the Power of the Force 2 line, and I never paid enough attention to Vader's costume to realize this, but Vader had two capes. He had that, like, half-skirt cape like the snowtroopers wore, and then above that, he wore another cape. Because when you're really evil, one cape is not enough. Yeah, you've got a double cape from the ass down. But because this is sculpted, they did soft goods for the full cape, but for the leg cape, rather than do what they did in the old vintage figures and just ignore it, they sculpted it... And so it looks like he's got some really weird 
thing going on with his pant legs. It honestly looks like, and you're not going to get this because you're a boy, it kind of looks like gaucho pants. Do you remember those? No. Okay. Gaucho marks? No. No, like gaucho is like a Latin type of pants. Like, oh, anyway. They were kind of fitted at the waist and had giant legs. Yeah, that was a little bit funny when I saw this. It does remind me of some other figures they've done. I mean, they did this with the Obi-Wan where his tabards become huge square thighs of his outfit. But here, because they added wrinkles to it, it's a really strange thing. And yet it doesn't even come together at the bottom. They don't touch. There's no rubbing when he walks. So, Well, he doesn't want to get chub rub. <laughs> as far as the soft goods cape go... It's completely see-through. If a woman wore a top of this material, she'd be arrested for indecent exposure. Would she really? Come on. Not in New York, it turns out, but anywhere else. You can go topless in New York. But I like that they didn't use the disco material. It's actually not a bad black. It's not at all movie accurate, but it's a decent enough black where I'm not going to ding it too bad. As far as Vader himself goes above the waist... I think they did pretty good. They did all the paint apps for the buttons and the chest panel and the belt. Again, you've got four different paint colors going with red, green, silver, and blue. I just can't get past his pants and his very sheer cape. I mean, it is nice they put the other colors on there. And I guess if you were a little boy, you would love this, right? I think he's fine if you put him in a dark corner so that people can't really see his pants. Maybe you obscure him. Maybe it's like an actress on TV, like Elaine from Seinfeld when she got pregnant. And so she he's always standing behind the counter with a large purse. <laughs> so that way you see from the chest up a nice paint job, a pretty good sculpt. For some reason, his head is bothering me. Like, it just doesn't have enough definition. It looks like a vintage head sculpt, and I just expect more detail these days. I've been looking at the vintage figure Vader a lot this year for photography. We talked about the decomposition I saw with the macro lens. This head looks a lot like that. Great for nostalgia, but not the best Vader head they could do. It's almost like they made his face part too tiny and the forehead part comes down too far. He looks like the little Vader pug that they have on the cards because they have little tiny faces. Yeah, kind of. So, again, scale 1 to 10. I'll probably give him, again, a 7, same as... I gave Grievous just because it's a good sculpt, the pants, the sheer cape, and the slightly lacking detail face kind of hurt it. But then we have Luke. I at first thought he was in camo because of how wrinkled his outfit looks. From far away, it looks like he's in camo, right? It kind of does because it's also very light color. It's like desert camo. It's too light an outfit. Now, I'm not expecting screen accuracy on these Mission Series figures, but I'll call it out, his skin tone and his outfit don't really have that much differentiation going on. No, it's kind of a weird beige instead of the dirty color it looks in the movie. I always thought it was beige, but I always thought it was a more brown-orange beige than Mm -hmm. a more tan beige. This is almost silver if you look at it in certain lighting. The face sculpt, well, Mark Hamill didn't have a beard, so it's not very good. It looks like Rusty from European Vacation. (laughs) All he needs is a beret that says Rusty. They did a good job on the hair, though. This is definitely Hamill hair. (laughs) Is that a thing? Also, the paint color they used for his boots make them look kind of like slippers. You know those winter slippers that come up mid-calf to really keep your feet warm? They look like Uggs. Yeah. 
But there's one thing about this figure that impressed me. And no, it's not the five points of articulation. Because that impresses me. I was not expecting Luke to come with two accessories. But in the package, you see his blaster in his holster. Sure enough, the blaster comes out. You've got a working holster. He can hold his blaster so you can have him either in the early Bespin scenes where he still thought his gun might be useful or later after Vader took away his weapon and he had to fight with the saber. Wow. And they even painted the nuzzle of... Nuzzle? Nuzzle. And they even painted the muzzle of the gun silver. I think they painted it too much silver. I think only the tip should be silver. It's like they dipped it too far. But I was impressed with that little detail. I'm not impressed with the rest of the figure. I'll give it a five. It's fine. It's not a bad figure. It's nowhere near, you know, I keep going back to the saga line, but remember that great Bespin Luke we got with the bloody stump and then it was deemed too bloody, so they came out with just the magnet stump and all that. That was a good Bespin Luke. That was a good Bespin Luke. Remember hunting for that bloody stump because they decided it was too macabre? Yeah. Oh, the good old days. Yeah. I did take another friend on a toy run, I should tell you. When I did check Target earlier in the week and we walked in the toy aisle, she goes, where's the Star Wars toys? It is pretty grim, but Rebels is coming for more five-point-of-articulation figures of all new characters. And then, of course, 18 months till Episode 7. But speaking of Rebels, if you are so excited for Rebels that you can't wait to spend your first $130 on it, Gentle Giant has the item for you. The Inquisitor Deluxe Maquette. It's a Premier Guild member exclusive that includes an alternate head featuring the Inquisitor wearing a Sith helmet. Now, I may regret this, because when the maquettes started for the Clone Wars micro-series, I went, eh, I think I'll stick to the movie stuff, and then Snow Bunny Padme. But that was different, right? I think it was. I think that none of the Clone Wars maquettes after that really had the heat. I remember Roar and Korob going really cheap. But here, I just need to see the show before I put down $130 on an Inquisitor maquette. I think it's a good sculpt. I kind of like the character's design. But again, Episode 7 has made me realize I can't buy everything. Money and space both become an issue. The issue every collector has. And so I think I'm just holding off on him. He's not shipping till Christmas anyway. It says edition size to be determined, minimum order 1,000. And I at first made that read, I have to order 1,000? <laughs> But no, they're saying there will be at least a thousand of him out there in the wild. I'd be a little bit more worried if it was minimum order 150. Yes. Well, maybe it means that they're also want to do a thousand before they buy more. Yeah. And speaking of collectibles that are hard to find, I called this. I said that you needed to go out and pre-order the Mara Jade Artifacts Bishoujo statue from Kotobukiya because with Mara Jade now no longer canon she's now a legend then she was gonna sell out and sure enough entertainment earth has pre-sold out of the mara jade bishoujo wow she is shipping now but she is already becoming a little bit harder to find and on amazon the cheapest prime shipping price is 71 dollars. it is wow. going up but right now at amazon you can still get it for 64 dollars plus shipping or check your e-tailer of choice. We'll be reviewing this on our next show. I just got it in. I haven't had a chance to photograph it yet. But 
It's looking like a great statue. And who knows if Coda will do a second run. Maybe they'll do a second run. But if you want this piece, I say do not hesitate. And then finally, put up for pre-order at Sideshow last Thursday is their latest 1-6 scale figure. It's another Cad Bane. Or is it a clone? Or is it both? How did he get the helmet to fit his little mouse-shaped head? I've often wondered that. Because he's got like a bulbous forehead and top of his head. I would think that it's larger. And if it wasn't larger, it was a scale of a human head. And then it wouldn't the helmet like rock around and be all wobbly on him? These are the things I think about. Well, good thing this isn't real. It's a cartoon. It is? This isn't real? Star Wars isn't real? Why didn't you tell me? But this is Cad Bane in dental disguise. So it's clone dental for the clone collectors, or it's Cad Bane for you bounty hunter collectors. And this thing comes with a ton, an absolute ton. I cannot believe how many accessories it comes with. In addition to the swappable heads, so you can display it in either way, you get... 13 different hands, two backpacks, two blasters, and the Sideshow Exclusive Edition comes with that custom clone-painted base that they've always come with. So I could see a lot of people ordering two of these, one to have the clone and one to have Cad Bane. Now, speaking of Banes of your existence, let's talk about Comic-Con exclusives. You know, for years, I've looked at how Mattel handles their exclusives and wished Hasbro would have that. Instead of the mad dash rush to get in line and then be elbowed by people who are there and offering $20 to the people around them to buy the maximum of every Transformer, Joe, and Star Wars thing on the list because they're just massive collectors. They're not selling them. I'm positive every single person in that line is buying just for themselves and maybe a close friend. That's why they need eight of everything. But Mattel, they do it a little different. You can pre-order. Just pick it up at the con. No problem. Easy peasy. I've always been envious of the Mattel collectors. A lot of people have asked Hasbro, when are you going to do things like Mattel? When are you going to have online exclusive collectors club figures? When are you going to allow us to have a actually non-violent way of getting your exclusives at Comic-Con? And Hasbro has a bit of an ego. I mean, they were the number one toy seller till Lego overtook them last year. So I've often wanted that easiness of exclusivity. But now, in the hands of Disney, what do you know? Mattel making Star Wars products? I didn't even realize Mattel made Hot Wheels. I didn't know that was the company. I think of Mattel, I pretty much think of He-Man because they always make their booth look like Castle Grayskull. That's kind of cool, not gonna lie. But yes, they are making Star Wars Hot Wheels. We talked about them on the last show and they teased a Comic-Con exclusive and then in USA Today, we got to see it. And, oh, I just don't know if I'm going down this path, but it's kind of nice. Kind of nice. It's a very, very cool collectible. For $40, that's a little pricey, you get one Hot Wheel car. When at the store, they're 99 cents is the lowest price for, like, the Spider-Man ones. But it comes in a gorgeous case. First of all, it's a car inside of a lightsaber. And the lightsaber has lights and sounds in it. So you've got that. But then the lightsaber itself is on a base and comes in a really gorgeous, elegant black Star Wars box. It reminds me of my very first Master Replicas prop replica that came in that gorgeous black box with the clasps. And I opened it and it really made me feel like a Padawan getting his first saber and having something ceremonial as I lifted those clasps. That's what this 
box is harkening back to. It is really nice. And in fact, when I looked at it, I thought at first that someone was doing replica sabers again, like the hilts. And then you pointed out, look inside, there's a car. Now, it kind of looks like it's the Darth Vader car in a Yoda saber because it's a little bit stumpy. It is, but, you know, no judgment. But I think I'm going to pick this up because $40, if I change my mind later, I'm sure it's going to be 80 to to 100 on eBay. Because Never, ever, ever hesitate on exclusives because you will be burned. And Hot Wheels collectors, they're nuts. If you are a Hot Wheels collector, I'm, I give you mad props because that nuts is in a completely good way. I'm nuts, but not as nuts as you're nuts. We're a little off, but they're crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, I go to stores sometimes before they open, but you guys are there before me, so that's how I gauge it. But because it's Mattel, June 24th, I'm going to be by my computer and trying to secure that easy order. Yes, easy order. Love those two words. Rather than try to muscle my way into two lines on preview night. But I don't know if I'll be going with the other Hot Wheels because Jedi Temple Archives posted a picture of what a couple of the vehicles in the actual line will look like, an R2-D2 car and a C-3PO car. And they're just not getting me. The R2-D2 one, it honestly looks like a bad mashup, like the maniacal toy torturer from Toy Story took R2-D2 and Wally and maybe a Lego set and mashed it all together. And I don't know why C-3PO looks like a bus with the back end of a DeLorean. Not loving these at all. So I don't see myself, if this is going to be the way the line is, getting into this toy line long term. I could see myself picking and choosing some really cool ones. Again, the card art could be the killer, though. If they do great card art, I might be suckered in. But the cars themselves... Not getting me. It's not the car I want from this exclusive either. I We didn't talk about the car. It's a little black car. It's the lightsaber and the packaging that's the nice thing. There's some tough decisions to be made in regards to collecting in the upcoming months. And speaking of cars, another decision to be made is at my cool car stuff at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, this is kind of strange, but they're going to have a couple sets of collectibles out at Comic-Con. The first is a Boba Fett keychain set for $20. I think I need that. Okay. It's going to be starting preview night. Only a thousand pieces are made, limit two per person. And they come in like a nice display box. Looks like it's felt inside. And there's keychains with Boba Fett's head, a Mandalorian skull, and then his wheat symbol. Because he really likes wheat. He's for gluten. I'm not worried at a thousand pieces of this and... If episode seven was coming out this year, or even worse, the Boba Fett solo film, maybe this would sell it on preview night. This is a bit more underground. I don't see this getting a lot of publicity the way the Hasbro stuff is. I think I can probably walk in Thursday morning and grab that. You probably can. But they have more limited collectibles also at the My Cool Car Stuff booth. They're going to have Stormtrooper floor mats for your car, $50 for two of them. And they're just generic floor mat size you know, in shape. Here's the kicker. A different color each night. So preview night has gray. Thursday is a very robin's egg blue. Friday is red. It looks kind of orangey. You know, you can't tell with the monitor sometimes. Saturday's pink and Sunday is green. Now these, fortunately, I like my factory floor mats. I'm not a car modder kind of guy. But if you want these, if you want these, Marjorie, you need to prioritize 
they're only doing 48 sets of each color and it's two per person. So that means if you're 25th in line, you may be SOL. I'm okay because again, I like my nice expensive floor mats that came with my gar. So I think I'm okay. But at the booth, they're going to be selling other stuff that's not exclusive. They're going to have Chewbacca floor mats, R2-D2 lanyards, and Death Star keychains, and the so elusive and descriptive and more. Yeah, and I know that a lot of listeners have sometimes tweeted us. We've retweeted. You can get this stuff at like AutoZone and things. Some people have gotten some of the stools at just crazy low prices and things. So for the non-exclusive stuff, definitely check other places than the official store there. But yes, we are in full Comic-Con prep mode. I'm starting my list of places we have to stop for all the exclusives, keeping our eye over on that neon green blinding Funko booth for what they're going to have. And Funko always causes me like a day's worth of eye trauma (laughs) because their booth is so neon. But that's it for Comic-Con, but we'll be back right after this word from Comic-Con in Connecticut. Unleash your power when Connecticut Comic-Con hits the Webster Bank Arena. There'll be celebrity guests, legendary comic book creators, famous movies and TV vehicles. Shop for comics, collectibles, and cool stuff. Dress as your favorite character and enter costume contests for kids and adults. Meet your favorite voice actors and see a reunion of the cast of the Thundercats. Tickets on sale now, online, and at the Arena Box Office. Join us on August 15th through 17th for Connecticut Comic-Con. 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 Now next up, we have Jerry joining us for another Vintage Viewpoint. And Marjorie, you think I'm crazy? You should hear what he's about to talk about. All the different variants of Vintage Figures for the collectors who get them all from every country in which they were manufactured. We don't need to go down that road. Hey everyone, welcome back to my Vintage Viewpoint. This week I'm going to follow up on a topic I briefly touched on last time regarding country of origin and copyright stamps on Kenner action figures. Recall last time I discussed this with regards to those bootleg stormtroopers I found. They indeed had a country of origin stamp on them. Now it doesn't match any of the known ones for vintage stormtrooper figures, but an interesting attention to detail to at least have one there present. But let me tell you how I actually got interested in this topic aside from it coming up while I was researching my bootleg stormtroopers. I follow a few Star Wars collecting groups on Facebook and I saw a fellow post an image of like 10 or 11 loose Boba Fetts on a shelf. Only one of them appeared to be unique, the lighter blue tri-logo version. The comment with the pic said something to the effect of, finally complete, with the explanation that he had found all the COO variations. My honest reaction was, you gotta be kidding. I get the tri-logo Boba Fett. That is visually unique, a true variant in the mold color as compared to the majority of vintage Fett production figures. In fact, it's a figure that I have on my list of things to someday buy. But the COO stamp? That's got to drive a person a bit nuts. But if you're 100% vintage in your collecting or perhaps have a strong figure character focus, this is a really neat way to breathe some extra life into your hunt. Now Arnie, fortunately I've only seen about five different stamp versions on the Greedo, so that shouldn't be too bad. So really this is a vintage topic that I was very excited to learn more about. I've always been aware of the fact that differences existed, and knew the basics, but I never really dug into the details before now. So let's step back and see what these COO markings are exactly. 
To be accurate, there are really two stamps on the figure, both of which are text that is embedded into the mold. First, you have the copyright stamp that states the manufacturer's copyright along with the year. The country of origin is simply the manufacturing location of the figure. So let's start with the copyright stamp. This has the familiar copyright symbol, you know, the C with the circle around it. Across the full run of the figure line, you've got one of three copyright designations. GMFGI, which if you recall from last time, stands for General Mills Fund Group Incorporated. General Mills was the parent company of Kenner from 1967 to 1987 when it sold off the Kenner Parker Toys Division to Tonka. This stamp was used across the first 20 figures from the Star Wars line. The second designation used is for some reason exclusive to the Boba Fett figure as it had CPG stamped on it. Now that might have been a result of the fact that it was the first mail-away figure and maybe technically had a different legal entity that owned the distribution of that figure. I, I don't know, I've never really heard anything about that. CPG stands for Consumer Product Group. The rest of the figures from Empire, Return of the Jedi, and Power of the Force have LFL stamped on it, which of course stands for Lucasfilm Limited. Only exception to this is that the R2-D2 sensor scope figure still has GM-FGI on simply because it used the same body mold from the original 12 R2-D2. The Power of the Force version, on the other hand, though, had a different body mold because it had to incorporate that pop-up lightsaber feature. Like everything, there are a few exceptions. For instance, R5-D4 must have originally been produced using the R2-D2 body molds, as some of them read identical with the 1977 date. However, there are examples of R5-D4 with the 1978 year stamped on it. It indicates to me that at some point, new molds were made specific for the R5-D4 production. Perhaps they were made later when the R2 mold transitioned to the pop-up version? Maybe they made a proactive decision to correct the year, since it is technically inaccurate. I happen to have both a 1977 and 1978 R5-D4. This is purely by coincidence, as I later acquired an R5-D4 to replace my original one, whose sticker had torn some. Now likewise, Barada has also been known to have both 1984 and 1985 dates. Back to the pop-up lightsaber R2 example, it has a 1977 copyright stamp on it, despite having been produced in 1985. Again, the overall look of that figure probably rides on the 1977 copyright. Now by the way, the Glasslight R2-D2s have a stamp on it that reads either 1985 or 1988. Honestly, I can't tell from the pictures I've seen. Both would make sense, actually, but I'll come back to Glasslight a little later. The year stamped on the figure does not refer to the year the figure was manufactured, as one might think, but rather it generally refers to the year the figure's design was copyrighted. Now, finally, you have the location, the actual country of origin stamp. The location refers to where the plastic parts are molded not assembly or painting or pack out, even if those locations differ. The country on the stamp is where this gets a little messy and muddled. Production locations may change, of course, for a variety of reasons, or perhaps multiple locations were used, and these stamps may differ. For instance, Hong Kong and Taiwan were the original countries of origin, simply meaning that the molds for those figures were uniquely made between the countries. So if you had a Chewbacca figure with Hong Kong stamped on it and another one with Taiwan stamped on it, they were undoubtedly produced off of two unique molds. Whereas with other countries, they are generally made from the Hong Kong molds, but shipped out and reworked to either add the new country or region such as Macau or China. The China designation was usually added on a raised bar on the figure, a result of a piece of metal added to the mold rather than parts being etched off, which is the case when the country designation is removed altogether. When these molds are reworked like this, it may have left behind a visual scar. You can tell that that portion of the mold was just scraped off or filed down. You can sometimes see a faint outline 
of the words that were supposed to be there, or maybe even see a weird chunk taken out of the figure's leg. Again, pretty much any time you see this though, you know that they were reworked off of the Hong Kong molds. Taiwan molds were never known to have left Taiwan and were thus never modified. Now to me, here's where we really get to the interesting part. We know other toy companies release Star Wars figures under sub-license for Kenner. What isn't as obvious is that a few of these companies manufactured their own toys versus just packing out figures that they would get from Kenner. Now we'll start with Top Toys. They're a little unique too, that they actually produced off of their own molds for Argentina and thus have no country or copyright information on the figure. Glasslight for Brazil mostly used the molds as they were without modifications. So Glasslight figures may say Hong Kong on them, However, they weren't necessarily molded in Hong Kong. They may have been molded in Brazil, but using an unaltered mold. Lile Lede in Mexico did a little bit of both. They used some existing molds, but then also produced some of their own. Interestingly, Takara created unique molds for Darth Vader, C-3PO, and the Stormtrooper for the 10 figures that they made for the Star Wars line. The country of origin on these three would say Japan. Although you wouldn't have to go that far to identify a Takara figure, because they also oddly had a screw in the back holding the figure together like a G.I. Joe. European figures generally have the country of origin deleted from the mold. For the most part, Palatoy and Meccano probably brought in existing figures, whereas PBP for Spain was likely the only European company making some of their own figures and do not have countries listed on the stamp. One of the reasons they might not bother altering that or just would scrape it off altogether is that it didn't take long for manufacturers to just start utilizing the backer car for this information and thus sometimes why they wouldn't even bother changing the country of origin or maybe just eliminate it altogether. Overall in researching this, I quickly found that there are no clear rules for the country of origin or copyright stamps. Figures were shipped around to other regions either intentionally or perhaps as a way to deal with overstock. Sometimes full figures could be shipped over, or perhaps even unpainted, unassembled parts. Now that said, I conducted an experiment. I took every Stormtrooper figure that I own, which is about seven in total, and I found three different layouts of the country and copyright stamp. The first is what I would consider a normal Kenner Hong Kong stamping that shows the copyright, the country, and then the year. The second one is fairly normal too, but it has the copyright, the year, and then the country. The last one though, has just the copyright and the year, no country. I looked at this one first actually because I knew I picked this one up at the collector swap meet at Star Wars Celebration 6. I bought a few loose Imperial figures for my Death Star and this was the $5 Stormtrooper I got. Now according to the Imperial Gunnery Forums at ImperialGunneryForum.com, the one without the country could be a Spanish Trilogo version made by PBP. When you think about the broad range of folks who attend a celebration, the odds are pretty good that this very well is a Trilogo version. I'm fascinated by it nonetheless. Now also I noticed that in my collection I have two Tebow figures that are very different. First they have distinctive color variations on them. One is shinier than the other and has more blue in the stripes, whereas the other one is slightly duller but is more tone-on-tone -tone gray. The blue one has a country stamp that reads Taiwan, whereas the other one doesn't list a country. Now I have a lot of other duplicates like this where the deco is noticeably different. I wasn't able to compare many of them because not all of them are very accessible to me. They're either deep in storage or behind those acrylic cases that I use. Now even though I don't want to collect variants like this, I am very curious to see what all I have. Aside from the Imperial Gunnery form, another site I found most helpful that I suggest you check out is the Variant Villain site hosted at SWSpaceClub.com. They have a very comprehensive collection of images and history on copyright and country of origin stamps. 
So, thanks again for joining me this week. Next time I return, I'm going to review a few random vintage items that I picked up at a local comic book shop. Talk to you then, and remember, we really do care. Thank you, Jerry. Very interesting. And you see, Marjorie, you thought you were out of vintage Greedo items you could get me. There's seven different countries in which Greedo was manufactured. So that's probably going to be chalked up to crazy eBay questions, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, could you turn over the figure and look at his foot and tell me what country of origin it's from? Great, thanks. Not interested, bye. Ah, but the key is to do it all mint on card. To get them all on a mint on card collection from every country. There you go. That's going to be rough. And it looks like we're running a little bit long and I have to get going and do some more breakfast planning. So we're going to defer the Star Wars Storyboards book review we were going to do this week for next show. So in two weeks, we will be back looking at the Kotobukiya, Maria Jade Bishojo and J.W. Rensler's new Star Wars Storyboards, the original trilogy, as well as the slightly older Star Wars Storyboards, the prequel trilogy. And in the meantime, do not forget, if you are going to Comic-Con and you'd like to join us for the Star Wars Fan Breakfast, head to our website, register now. I was completely shocked at how fast we filled up last year, and it looks like this year will be even faster. We'll see you in a few weeks. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can be on the next episode of Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at SWActionNews.com. All materials submitted are subject to use on our show. We want your feedback on Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook and Twitter. The links to our social media sites are at SWActionNews.com. If you enjoyed the show, please post about Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media network of choice, or just tell a friend about the show. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star written review on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed is at SWActionNews.com. If you also enjoy Marvel Comics, you can hear Arnie and Marjorie talk about the toys and statues based on Marvel Comics characters on the Marvelicious Toys podcast at MarveliciousToys.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Star Wars Action News podcast video enhancement by Andrew, Daryl, and Barrett. Star Wars Action News website design by Jason. Photo editing by Jay. Graphic design by Chris. Associate produced and announcements by Brock. Segments hosted by Jerry, Jonathan, Brock, Nathan, and Steve. For more Star Wars collecting, please check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, JediTempleArchives.com, and YakFace.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. 
Star Wars, and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. All rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. We talked on our last show about how Vans was doing some start. No, we didn't. We cut that material. Mm-hmm. They did a good job on the hair, though. This is definitely Hamill hair. <laughs> is that a thing? Kind of like Hamill toe. Oh! He has ten toes. So everyone has Hamill toe. Yeah. Okay. Well, except for people who have eleven toes. Then what do they have? Whatever their name is. Oh, Arnie, you went there.